friends, how are you? My name is Colm and this is the Sober Mess podcast and I hope you're having a very lovely, gentle, relaxing day. Um, I'm joined today by my good pal Derek, who's a student of Buddhism and a meditation instructor. He's been studying meditation and Buddhism since he was 19 which is over 20 years. So that now makes him 23 years old. <laughs> um, he's also he's also from Limerick, but we won't hold that against him. So it's an absolute pleasure that here we're joined with Derek and we're just going to chat a bit about Buddhism and the philosophy of Buddhism, the benefits of meditation and just, yeah, how we can employ, I suppose, the principles of Buddhism to, to our everyday lives. So uh, Derek, how are you, man? I'm really good, really good, Colin. It's uh, lovely to be here, and thank you for inviting me on. Awesome, man! So, come here. Are, are you levitating at the moment? Yeah, I just, I just flew. <laughs> I just flew from Limerick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on, my, on my magic rug, you know, it's one of the side effects. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> of meditation. <laughs> side to side, say, say there's a few side effects in Limerick now. <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, Limerick's awesome. a good one. It, it is. It is. It's a. It's a yeah, great spot. Yeah. I'm fond of it. <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah. So just, just literally wanted to have a chat about like Buddhism. So like, where, where did it all, where did it all stem from? Buddhism. Mm. Like, it is like, what is Buddhism? Okay. Well, I mean, I suppose what we call Buddhism, you, you have to go back and look at the, the historical aspects. So this means we go back two thousand five hundred years back to India. The north of India, um, to you know this person who became known as the Buddha. So this person actually began his life quite a quite a, um, a well-to-do guy. We would say he was born into a royal family. So his mother okay. his mother was the queen and his dad was the king. So mm-hmm. he started on a good foot, you know. Um, in that time, he was you know his birth name would have been uh, Gautama Siddhartha. Um, mm-hmm. So he was born into a very well-to-do family. And of course, you know, the king said, great, you know, this guy's going to take over the family business and keep the kingdom going. And uh, what happened was a a series of of incidences in his life where he became uh, disillusioned with his perfect lifestyle, basically, and began to look beyond um, what he saw around him. And what he discovered is not all is right with the world. Um, in many ways, he was kept in a bit of a bubble by his parents, you know, um, mm-hmm. based on a prediction that was made when he was very small, which said that he would either become a great ruler or a great spiritual teacher. So his father, okay. his father kind of dreaded this idea that he would go off, leave the kingdom and become like a spiritual being. And so he kind, okay. of, he kind of kept him surrounded by beauty and, you know, the good life. Um, um, and that, you know, that he managed to do that for a very long time. And then eventually the, the Buddhist started, or, you know, Siddhartha started to become curious, venture outside the castle walls. And, and he came across, you know, his, the beginnings of um, his first experience of suffering, you know? So, mm-hmm. so he saw, for example, he saw, um, he saw an old man, which he'd never really seen before, if you can believe, you know? So yeah. he, 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 had the sudden realization that wow we all age <laughs> you know my my yeah. princely youthful looks are not going to last forever um he also saw like a sick man as well you know 
and he didn't he didn't recognize sickness because it was kind of kept from him in his life um mm-hmm. and then he also saw um a dead person which also you know the the truth of death in life was kind of kept from him so these are mm-hmm. these were all incredibly shocking moments for him it kind of jolted him out of where he was you know um this kind of slightly bored mundane perfect life that he had and um the final kind of meeting he had when he was when he was um i think in his um late 20s or so um was he he saw a monk he saw a person that dedicated their life to to meditation and to to spiritual um attainment and so those four kind of meetings in his life um kind of drove him to to leave the palace to jump over the walls and and to meditate and uh mm-hmm. over time he studied with different teachers and he uh tried different methods and then he realized that the way to go was you know away from the extremes you know the extreme of doing absolutely nothing and the extreme of you know maybe ascetic practices which didn't work for him and he found what he called the middle way it's like the middle path and um it said he sat under a tree called a bodhi tree and he became enlightened and um yeah that's that's uh that's how buddhism um really began um he didn't actually teach for a long time it was it was quite a while before he taught and then people started to become interested in him i think he had okay. he had like an aura and started to become attracted to him and then everything that we call buddhism today is basically everything he taught for the rest of his life so that wow. so that's kind of what we call buddhism yeah and and then he tried like a few different extreme versions of I think it was maybe bits of hinduism where they were kind of like fast in our sleep deprivation or That's right. um like just just being re- really extreme with with other t- with certain things and he said right this isn't this isn't for me like Yeah that's that's right I mean he nearly died actually from some of his extreme ascetic practices which you know certain teachers at that time had recommended to him that that's how you you know leave this body and and break away from suffering and he tried it and uh it nearly didn't go very well so he decided that that was not the right path at least for him and this is why okay. he describes this middle way between the extremes yeah okay now oh, like that but I, I suppose the principle was that like you get attached to like different forms of like they don't they talk about like the attachment the avoidance mm. uh, the, the ignorance you know what i mean and that's essentially what it is like, it, like, like that's how the karma works isn't it that where like that life is a is a constant state of suffering the more that we kind of give in to our cravings and things like that yeah that it's the suffering it's it's often described as being like a wheel you know so the wheel just keeps turning and if we keep mm. if we keep pushing the wheel um with certain kinds of habits then we keep on getting the same results and kind of keep wondering why you know so yeah. i mean i i my main interest in buddhism is how it relates to me in in this life here you know not not i'm, yeah. I'm not so much interested in in the history of it uh, yeah. although, although i i can be but it's really it's a living tradition you know um so it's about seeing you know what how am i turning my own wheel like what are the things that i'm doing that are not bringing you know the the results i would expect in my life all of that mm. there's an opportunity there to explore that to review that you know um because yeah. you know the you know the classic example if you keep walking down the same street and you keep falling into the same hole you know how 
how long do you keep doing that before you take a different street you know <laughs> just, to, yeah, just avoid yeah. the hole altogether you know that's it. Or do your analogies touching the hob. Like how many times you need to get burnt before you need to say, "Well, I need to stop touching this hob." That's it. Yeah. There's a there's a famous yeah. there's a famous teacher called Shanti Shanti Deva, and he said that you know that we we basically even though we want to avoid suffering, we want we run headlong into it. We kind of run straight into suffering. It's something about us, you know, that we okay. we do that, you know, in our lives and. Even though we want happiness, it's kind of we we often destroy our happiness like it's our worst enemy, you know. Yeah, and, uh, we kind of you get bored, you get painful pleasure out of it, out of suffering. Yeah, we do it. You know, we do it with substances. We do it in relationships. You know, we we do it in, in so many ways. It's funny. <laughs> yeah. But but mad like how like say the Buddha, and I know the Buddha stands for like the awoken one. But it's mad that we predicted like how how we're as a, I suppose as a, the nature of our minds as humans, as a species, species that we're always getting attached to things. Even in, like, present day, you know, you say you could be getting attached now to, like, people, places, things, you know, relationships mm. or materialistic goods or for drink or for drugs or even for work or to exercise a body image or social media, that these are all things that we can attach to to try to get some form of what we believe to be happiness mm-hmm. and eventually it leads to, I suppose, suffering because if something makes me happy, say if I'm in a relationship and this relationship makes me happy, it makes me happy when it's playing to my tune, but then when it's not, then I'm suffering. Or if I, if we exercise and if I'm hitting all my exercise goals, I'm happy, but then if I'm not hitting my goals, I'm suffering. Or if we don't have the drink that I'm craving, I'm suffering or mm-hmm. the drug means so it's like if we have if, if one thing can give me the happy it can take away the happy as well yeah i suppose um you know buddhism is on the one hand it's it's very it's very vast it's very complex you know you can really get into many different aspects of it like like what you're saying there like like the attachment you know how attached we are um because a lot a lot of our our attached suffering from attachment comes because things are impermanent as well you know things don't last so, mm-hmm. you know, we, we become attached to whatever it is, a thing or, a, you know, a person or whatever it might be, uh, you know, a particular phase of our life, we become attached to that. Um, yeah. You know, but it's inevitable. Change is inevitable. And because we we kind of know that, but we don't live like we know that, you know? Yeah. And so that that's quite a fundamental principle of, of, of Buddhism and the Buddha is, is impermanence is, is part of our existence. And as long as we try to do things to run away from that fact, you know, suffering won't be far behind. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Though. And, they, and they say a lot of people's two main fears, the main thing that triggers fear in a lot of people is fear of not getting what they want or fear of losing something that they have. Yeah. Like if my, my main goal is getting a million euro and I, everything is dedicated to getting this million euro, I work hard, I do all the right things, eventually get promoted enough and I finally earn a million euro and that was my biggest fear was getting it then as soon as I get it what's the next thing that comes into my head a fear of what if I lose it, Losing it, how, yeah. can it? how can I split it you know what I mean what will I do with it what will I do next you know so we're, we're either at a pain of chasing mm. or a pain or trying to gain something or just trying to guard something you know yeah, what I mean yeah. that we're not be satisfied and it's like that uh, Rolling Stone song I can't get no satisfaction that's exactly it you know and we call it attachment and aversion you know it's mm-hmm. like we're, we, we want this thing, you know, and then we get it, but then we don't want to lose it or we don't want it to change either, which happens, yeah. you know, because we might have something, but then it changes, you know, and then we don't like that either. It's like, 
it's yeah. the same thing, but I don't like it anymore because it's different now. You know, maybe we, uh, we've we changed. But we know, and I think it's just human nature. Though, that as soon as we get something, that eventually we just take it for granted. Like I buy a brand new. A car, brand new, two or one car. I'm delighted with it. I love it. It's the greatest thing ever. And next thing, a week later, my neighbor comes in with an even newer, nicer car. <laughs> yeah. You know, straight away, I don't like my car anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when the Buddha taught, um, the first teaching he gave was called the Four Noble Truths, and um, he taught basically on suffering. He taught, you know, which which is is not a new topic, not even then, but what what the Buddha realized was that it's exactly what you said a moment ago. It's this kind of dissatisfaction, this unsatisfactory aspect of, of how we live. It, and that, that kind of dissatisfaction, um, it permeates everything we do. And it's a, mm. it's a little bit like, you know, be, before we eat, we start to feel hungry, you know, and yeah. we feel that rumble in the belly. And then, then we have this terrible, attachment for wanting food right and then and then we eat and then we might eat enough but you know we might eat too much as well and then actually we're like not happy with food and then if someone put food in front of us we'd be like god no put it away you know so now we've got some like it's kind of just constant you know we go from being hungry we eat we're full we don't want any food and then after a while we're back in the same place again so that type of thing just permeates our whole life, and this is what yeah. this is what Buddha called dukkha, this this cycle of, you know, he called it suffering, but suffering in English I think sounds it puts people off. I think you know, and um, yeah. I'm I'm always conscious of that. If you say the word like suffering, automatically you might have lost like sixty percent of people listening. They just switch off because they don't yeah. they don't want to look at that. They don't want to talk about suffering. You know, it's like it's depressing. Yeah. Um, so it's actually more about how it permeates our, our day to day, you know, mm. it's not about being a hundred percent depressed all day long, 24 seven. It's actually, no, this is just the cycles we go in and out of. We have happy, yeah. happy times, you know, sad times, and it just floats along like a boat bopping up and down in the ocean. It just goes from one yeah. to the other, one to the other. But that's and it's it's like the normal cycle of nature of life. You like does a summer, does a winter, does a night, there's a day. The tide comes in, the tide goes out, and it's the same. I suppose our our highs and our lows. That some days you're gonna feel great, another day you're gonna feel low. But as you said, like everything's impermanent. Like nothing Mm. lasts. Like everything passes. Like the amazing days pass, and the absolutely awful days pass. You know what I mean? And. uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, and everything kind of just passes, and that's a natural flow of life. Yeah, and this is where meditation actually becomes very important, because if we were just to talk about suffering, and that's it, we can, it's, it's just philosophy in a way. You know, we can, we can agree, mm. yeah, that's the way things are, fair enough, great. But actually, the Buddha didn't stop there. He also taught a way out of it, you know? And this is, yeah. this is where... You know, if you're into this type of thing and you're you're interested in meditation and these kinds of practices, there's something you can do about it. You know, you can you can actually look within. You can find stability. You can find balance. Um, and it's not that all the clouds and all the waves disappear and all the suffering disappears. It's actually how we are with that starts to change. You know, yeah. the the attachment we have and the habits we have and the way we react. Through meditation, through awareness, through kindness, 
you know, real deep caring for ourselves and others. That's actually we kind of kind of start to to wear down a little bit of those patterns, and slowly that wheel stops turning, you know, or we become aware yeah. of its turning, and then we can do something about it, you know. Yeah, they're kind of is, and it's and it's like they're they're gone. They're leaning so much. They seem to benefit so much of like meditation that they're like bringing it into into workplace or even into schools. You know, there's people coming into schools and they're teaching kids how to meditate from a young age. You know, yeah. smell, breathe in through your nose, smell the flowers, breathe out through your mouth, and blow out the candles. You know, mm. and it's just it's. Thing, you know, and I and I heard you I mentioned before about like the monkey mind, where your mind is constantly chattering, and you've a million things going on in your head. You know, you're worrying about fucking next week's bill, or getting that paper on your boss's desk, or making that fucking that commitment to your uh, to that date with your relationship, or you know what whatever. Yeah. It Effect buying the shopping, whatever it is, and if all these million things like they might seem trivial one at a time, but all together they're making all this noise. It's like a washing machine on 10 million power spin, like you know what I mean? Sure, yeah. And when you just stop and meditate, you can kind of say, Okay, like mm. it, it just get back to me breathing, like you know, just focus, focusing on the breaths. Yeah, I mean, people often think as well that when, when you meditate, you're like, <laughs> How would I put it? having your expectations too high in meditation is, is can be often unhelpful. Like you can't, yeah. you can't do meditation incorrectly. Like there isn't like yeah. a right way to do it. And I, I, I meet people now and again, and you can kind of just see by them. You, you can, you can almost see it in their faces. They're thinking, Oh, this isn't for me. You know, I've heard about meditation, but now nah, I'm, I'm really bad with it. It's like, you can't, yeah. you can't be bad at meditation. Like you can't, yeah. you can't do it incorrectly, believe it or not. At least this yeah. is, this is my understanding. You can either, yeah. you can either have the intention to sit down and practice, do some meditation, try sit still for a few minutes, or you could have, or you could not have that intention and that's it. Everything else is kind of irrelevant, whether it's a good meditation, a bad meditation, whether you meditated for very long, whether it was like one minute, irrelevant actually. It's just if you yeah. if you can develop that intention to just sit and no matter what your mind is like, just give it a few moments to just be to be present, you know. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's all it is. Everything else yeah. actually take care of itself slowly, you know. Yeah, just to be in the present moment, and a lot of time that's it. Like I, I remember, like millions of times walking down the same road, and never in the present. I was looking down on my feet, thinking about a million things. Sure. And it was only then when I started to practice like being mindful. I was like, Jesus, was that massive tree in my front garden always there? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? You yeah. to notice was that building always that you... blue? You know? Yeah. Was, they just painted it. Yeah, was I always going out with this girl? <laughs> was I always from Limerick? <laughs> <laughs> It's like yeah, it's like all these, all like all these things that you never know, and just being mindful and present. And it could be simple things like just washing your hands mm. or chewing your food, you know, going for walks, listening to the birds, listening to your footsteps, you know, and just con just trying to be mindful. You know what I mean? And it's you can never like I find in my meditation. Some days I'm like, oh, you know, I, I really struggle to get into. I have a million things going on in my head, but I suppose just making the effort and getting into the posture and focusing on my breathing, you know. Like a hundred percent, I have a solid like meditation where I'm just completely in the present and my thoughts stop because I think it's impossible to stop your thoughts altogether. 
like that thoughts naturally just come as you said like the clouds but I suppose it's, it's about kind of just every time you notice yourself going off on a thinking journey that just as gently bring yourself back to the present like you know what I mean and just little things like that. And I, remember, I heard a quote, I don't know if it was a monk or someone said it, but he said, you should meditate for like 10 minutes a day unless you're really, really busy, in which case you should meditate for 20 minutes know, yeah. a day. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good yeah. one. It yeah. is a good one. Yeah. 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 It, it takes yeah. time to, to try and settle the mind. You know, the, the, it's said that the yeah. mind is, is naturally radiant and pure. The mind is shining. Yeah. It's a quote, a quote of the yeah. Buddha that... Uh, teacher Sharon Salzberg often uses you know that the mind is radiant mm. and pure the mind is shining it's only because of visiting yeah. forces that we suffer it's a really beautiful quote you yeah. know? but it's, yeah. it's hard for yeah. us to imagine this sometimes that you know especially in Ireland right because we're, we're in Ireland like there's days not today which is really beautiful here anyway um, but there's days where you just don't see the sun and it's 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 hard to believe that there's a blue sky up above the clouds, you know, you know, those days in Ireland, mm. we have so many of them, but, but yet yeah. it is there. We know it's there, you know, cause the, the, the clouds yeah. part and there it is. It's this beautiful open blue sky. And that, that's a yeah. very typical analogy given of, of our mind, of our, of how we are, of our true nature. Yeah. And you know, it, it's very easy when you're on that, cloud level of mind it's just gotta go there gotta do this gotta you know someone ringing me oh stress that's like the cloud level yeah. of mind but but actually our mind is is the sky that's that's what they say you know yeah i like that other analogy about like where the like the with buddhism it's about like you getting out to this point in the uh, to this side this boat in the middle of the sea and you you need to use a raft to get there and the raft being a representation of like building your own ship or your own boat with whatever's around yeah. you. You know what I mean? It's like to say, oh, there's more than one way to get to Dunleary or there's more than one way to get to Limerick. But in most cases, you're getting to Limerick in a prison van. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, it's like, it's about you just finding your own kind of place to be enlightened or just to just get a bit of peace of mind, whatever works yeah. for you. Because I, I, I found like at the start when I was meditating, I used to find it like, boring but beneficial you know whereas it's not boring but I'd be like oh do I have to meditate yeah. like, oh, as a, a kid as a broccoli as a like when you're a kid eating broccoli like oh do I have to eat it even though it's good for you and I'm not like my problem is like, I'm not a slow learner I'm a quick forgetter right. so I'd like all that meditation works for me and but then as time, I'd, I'd, I'll only I'll do it for 10 minutes and then I'd, I'd only do it for 5 minutes and then 2 minutes and then I haven't got time and I said alright instead like I'll, I'll read this self help book or I'll go for a run or I'll try and eat well you know I'm always looking for ways to kind of replace yeah. it and then it's just got, then I come back to kind of the anxieties coming back or the kind of feeling irritated in traffic or the, you know the, the insecurities and the fears are coming yeah. back you know, uh, so well, when I get back to basics of just being mindful and meditating, and 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 the effects are kind of amazing. Yeah. It, it, you know, I think the the generations are, over the years are kind of different. Before we we might have valued something like meditation in terms of whether it's good or bad. You know, I'll, I'll do it because it's good for me. But I think yeah. you know, generations younger people. It's probably more about whether it's interesting or exciting other than whether it's good or bad for me, you know? Uh, it's it's yeah. more it's like, yeah, it's interesting for a while, you know? And then, But then boredom comes in and says, is that it? I'm done with that now, you know? I'm like, on to the next thing. 
Yeah. And you know that that tendency yeah. to you know that kind of the Netflix generation, the Spotify generation, where it's it's just it's on demand. You can skip. You can watch it later. You know, and so you know the, yeah. that tendency to jump around. That like Monkey Mind is different today than it was even a couple of generations ago. You know, it's Monkey Monkey yeah. Mind is, yeah. is acting differently, and. You know, yeah. so our application, like you're saying, like the raft is going to be a little bit unique to each generation, you know, what they need. Mm. Some generations might connect more with traditional stuff, you know, others might connect more with, you know, grab what you can when you can kind of attitude, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what's wonderful about something like Buddhism for me is it's, it's not a religion in that sense. It's very organic. You know, you can apply it to your yeah. own particular uh, uh, needs, you know. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's all, and that's why I kind of really got, got a lot of Buddhism. You know, being able to like identify with the the the, the like the very they talk about like the three. Uh, is it the the kind of the three poisons? I think it was with aversion, uh, attachment, and and ignorance. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and hundred percent like attachment obviously being great again attached to something, a person, a place, a thing, a situation yeah. where you're making this, you're you're using this thing as your like support, or you fill in a void within you, using this thing outside yourself, which will inevitably let you down and lead to yeah. suffering. And then the other thing is is a aversion, which is like avoidance, where you're avoiding painful situations, or, or living on on fear, constantly living in fear, and not wanting to do this or do that because you're just afraid of getting hurt. I yeah. suppose avoid pain constantly, and then obviously the, the other one is is ignorance, which is living in judgment and and not kind of you know being so compassionate to others. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. one of the things that jumps out to me hearing that is, is you know, you have these, what, like what you say, these three poisons, but then what we have then is the antidote, you know? And, and you know, the, the, and from the tradition, from, from the Buddha's perspective, he's, he, he acknowledges the situation, which is the suffering, the attachment, the aversion. But then he goes a step further and, and applies an antidote to that as well, right? So you have... Something you can do, and this, I think, this is very relevant for today. Actually, that that we develop um, good, positive habits. You know, things like developing mm. kindness, um, developing, you know, as much as we can a calm mind. But, but really, like in our application, there's so much space to to have a kind word instead of a criticism. You know, or. Or, you know, mm. to, to be slightly more aware of our judgmental mind, you know, that, that, that throwaway yeah. comment that could sit in someone for days. And we just have some yeah. throwaway comment we think is hilarious. And, you know, but, you know, yeah. more in that, more that kind of awareness, interpersonal awareness, where we start to bring the antidote into those practical things. Um, yeah, it's, it's generally just bringing in like the opposite, essentially. So if you're angry, to bring in some patience, you know, if you're resentful, to bring in some love, you know, and if you're kind of, you know, um, so if you're kind of, I suppose, always rushing to kind of do things a bit calmly, you know what I mean? And if you're constantly kind of being hard on yourself to try to be a bit more loving. Exactly, yeah. The opposite of your partner. Like, yeah, and, and actually, even if you don't know what your opposites are, just practice all of that good stuff as much as you can because sometimes we're not aware of what yeah. our opposites are, you know? Um, but that doesn't yeah. mean we can't start just trying to do 
do a little bit better for ourselves and for others, you know? Uh, yeah, because I, I remember a friend telling me, like, he'd be, like, he'd be, like, on the Leos and it was packed. And he was like, moaning about being on the Leos and it's so packed. And then he said he remember what he learned in on, on a, he went to this meditation class. I think it was a yoga class, a meditation mm-hmm. class. And he said about having love and compassion. And you basically, in your head, he's looking at everyone on the Leos and he goes, I wish that guy love and compassion. I wish that guy love and compassion. I wish that lady love and compassion. I hope they're having a great day. I love them. You know, so rather than being in the head, moaning and giving out, you know, he said, offering all in his head, just offering all these people like love and mm. compassion. Did he tell you how it, how it was to do that? Well, he said it made him feel a lot better. Like he said, he first he was in the, in his head. He was kind of in a bad mood because the Lewis was so jam packed. It was like a tin of sardines, and uh, and then you know, and then straight away he caught himself doing this, and he found that when he was able to kind of just send good messages to these people in his head, that he started to feel much better. And he said he, he tries in traffic, you know, he tries it even with his colleagues and work. He does it with his family. And he said it's great for kind of lifting his mood and gets him out of that judge, judge and state yeah. of mind. I mean, this is this is exactly what we're talking about. Exactly that is why do you do this stuff? It's because as the wheel is turning, you're changing the direction of the wheel and you're getting a new result, which you don't normally get. This mm. is like this is yeah. why, you know, everything is interconnected and so and everything is impermanent, but actually everything is also workable. So even though we keep yeah. arriving into things that are making us suffer, making life difficult, actually, you know, if we're smart about it, you know, we can do other things, other practices, which the result is what we're kind of hoping for, <laughs> which is a calmer, more peaceful, loving kind of state of mind. Yeah, and that, that's it. Like, and I think Albert Einstein uh, had that quote, you know, what, what define insanity, which is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different exactly. result. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, it's, that's, it, it, I suppose just trying to form healthier habits, you know, because we can get so comfortable in our own habits that we don't even know, you know what I mean? And I, I, think, that's, that's, I think that's the highest form of mindfulness when you catch your own thinking patterns, where you catch yourself starting to judge, you catch yourself starting to be angry, you know, and you're able to spot all them things. And, and I suppose it's trying to get away from your default. You know, it's like you wake up and your your natural default could be you want to criticize yourself or criticize people around you, or you want to be like caught in self pity, or you know, just get wrapped up in fear and anxiety. And it's about kind of how can I change my default? So like when you buy a new TV or a new dishwasher or a new phone, it has all these settings that are kind of they're all right, but they could be a lot better. Like so, you kind of mess around with the settings and change the factory setting. And you get it something that's more kind of workable, you know what I mean? So it's like trying to do that on ourselves, that we're trying to get away from our defaults, which obviously people that have been led to meditate, well, not everyone, but I suppose in the Western world, if you're led to kind of want to do some meditation or some yoga or some mindfulness, that's what kind of motivates you is that bit of suffering or pain, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So maybe to just notice these kind of little patterns of, like in your thoughts before you said to criticize yourself, kind of be more gentle on myself, or even like, even like, I found a gratitude list really helped me. And and changing the word want to have, so rather than waking up in the morning going, I want this, I want that, I want this, you know, I changed the word to have that, I have this, I have that, I have this great life, yeah. you know what I mean? So just changing even that one word, you know what I mean? Pro- profoundly kind of improve my mental health and just my outlook on yeah. life. Yeah, that's lovely. 
Yeah, yeah. Man. Um, so like, and like, I, I always, I seen this quote as well, just about uh, meditation. You know, the, the Buddha was asked, "What have you gained from meditation?" And he replied, "Nothing. I gained nothing. However, the the Buddha." Let me tell you what he lost. He said he lost anger, anxiety, depression, insecurity, fear of old age and death. Mm. So I suppose that, that was my next thing. It was like, what, like, in terms of like reincarnation, there's not, uh, with Buddhism, they believe in, there's a, like, we're, we're based on our karma. So you live a good life, you're essentially getting good karma. And then based on how good your karma is, is, is kind of how good a life you're going to have in your next generate or your next reincarnation or your next life yeah. and then if you yes yeah, right no and then it's like and then if obviously if you kind of had a life where you're kind of just wrapped up in cravings and looking at looking out for number one and uh stepping on toes that you'll come back as a as a, something as like a fucking tree <laughs> or something some, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can yeah. see it coming I can see that <laughs> <laughs> listeners from Limerick we apologize yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, so so within within the the understanding of Buddhism is this is that things continue. So things are constantly changing, like we see in nature. You know, like trees die, but then new trees appear. You know, so we see that that's not mm-hmm. a a big mystery as such. Things rebirth is part of what we observe around us. What we don't observe around us is us dying and then coming back again. So we don't observe that. So, but the Buddha is said to have observed this, and not not just the Buddha. Actually, there's um, many teachings in different traditions around the world that talk about rebirth. You know, uh, about coming back again. Uh, the Buddha, I suppose, used this word karma to talk about that. So, karma's karma is like the mechanism, the mechanism for how all of this happens. You know, so you do X and you get Y result. You know, it's a bit mm. more like that. So it's it's not a I, I, I don't understand it as a as a straightforward thing. You know, <laughs> like like oh yeah. God, I did that in this life, and then next time, I'm you know I'm in trouble. It's it's um I don't understand it as being so straightforward. There's a master um that said which I really connect with myself. He said if you want to know your past lives look at your present condition and if you want to know your future lives look at your present actions and for for me that summarizes it up it brings it back to the present you know the past the past is the past you know what is the past Mm. well it's everything you are right now are you are you a good person things are going well keep doing what you're doing you know things need um reviewing they need, you might might need some changes. Well, make the changes you can make, as best to your ability. Yeah. And um, reap the results of that then. But if you stay the same, then you get the same in the future. Yeah, I like that man. It's like yeah, it's, it's like that. I remember when as a kid you used to play that game Crash Bandicoot, mm. and like when you go through a level and you're shit. Like you lose all these lives, like and you, you know, like you're, you're going into the next level, like really weak, and like you, you're making it a lot harder sure. for yourself going into the next level. But if you go through that level really good, like you have boom, you have the the mask thing that gives you like extra protection. Yeah. You have loads of lives, so you're going into the next level, like you have a better opportunity to smash that level as well because you've done so well in the yeah. first level. Yeah, oh. I mean, that, that's, that's it. I, I wouldn't. Um... You know, topics, when you look at 
a topic like Buddhism and you see aspects of it like suffering, like karma, you know, and, and these things, um, you know, they're not to, they're not to worry about or to 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 put people off because I think it is easy to be put off by those. You know, mm. I see people are interested in meditation today, you know, and, and loving kindness and, and things like that, and it's because it's it's somewhat um, accessible, I think, you know. Where you know, yeah. if we in the courses that we run at the center, if, if you know, the title of all of them was something around suffering, I don't, I'm not sure how many people we might get. Yeah, um, which is normal, but. That's- yeah, but you want to you want to try to get away from that whole thing with the guilt. You know what I mean? I think like a lot of some other religions may have been guilty of it, like the guilt tripping people into like acting a certain way. You know what I mean? Where you have this guilt and shame going around. If you do this, if you do that. You're a bad person. You're a sinner or whatever. You know what I mean? It's not about that. You know where everyone like because everyone does make mistakes, and it's not about giving yourself a hard time. And as as you said, it's about just trying your best to do the best you can and have a bit of love and compassion for yourself and yeah. others. You and because I mean? of um, no because of impermanence, everything is fixable. You see as well. So because yeah. of the way it all the world is built, all is not lost. So you know if you if if there is something that you think you can change, actually it can change because it will change because it's impermanent. So you you can actively yeah. begin the change and and help that move along. You know? Yeah, but like my, my thing is personally is that I feel that like my de- like depend my karma is instant. Like if I do good, I feel good. You know what I mean? That if like I'm doing the right thing, I'm thinking of others. You know, I'm not wrapped up in myself or wrapped up in me. Like I I feel generally feel better. You know yeah. what I mean? But when I'm kind of wrapped up in me and my own desires and chasing shit on the outside of myself, I'm generally kind of feeling anxious or feeling something more fearful. Yeah. Like, you know, or feeling insecure or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. Um. And yeah, that's I never heard a guy say. You know, like you can measure your spiritual condition on the amount of ourselves you eat in a day. <laughs> so. I have meditated I'm going I'm stuck in that traffic jam because like if, if I'm behind you and you have a green light and you haven't you're not at like 120 120 but the time that light is green you know I, I'm behind you personally or you're if I'm behind you in Tesco and you're not you don't have your wallet out ready to pay the minute it's your turn at the till yeah, yeah. you know you know it's just it's just a yeah. tolerance though. But sometimes it's like it's simple. It's like have I meditated? Like have I you know, have I been resting enough? Have I been like eating healthy? You know, have I been doing a bit of training? You know, have I been doing like it's like that thing the Hulk, you know, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, you know, what what are these things that I'm catering mm. for? You know, sometimes it's about keeping it simple and saying, well, what I'm if I'm feeling a bit off, you know, are these simple things, these simple needs met? Yeah. Like, I mean, the, definitely the greatest measure of where we're at is when we deal with people. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, it's probably the highest form of meditation is just standing in a queue. You know, when it's <laughs> when when you don't yeah. want to be there, basically. Yeah, I suppose you can do like a nine 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 meditation, or if you're in the queue and you don't want to be there, you know, just be mindful and look yeah. at your surroundings. I mean. And, the, no, I remember yeah, to... no I, you know the the story you told before about the your friend who came out of the class and was on the on the on the Lewis or whatever and you know the practice he was doing is like the one it, it sounds like it's a loving kindness loving kindness practice or compassion practice and it's such a simple practice to do it's you know it's just repetition mm. of simple phrases um but i've I've had a very similar experience that you that uh, your friend was describing it i mean it's ridiculously simple to just extend you know a kind warm wish mentally in your head 
as as you're going about your day you don't have any you don't need any formal practice you don't need to find like a cushion or even a park bench in a quiet spot you know it's just wherever you are you know you can just you can do something you can transform your mind you can be a little bit kinder and and actually the whole point is because it's good for you to do that <laughs> it's mm. the irony yeah. it's good for you yeah. i think the dalai lama says this you know he says I think someone asked him about the benefits of compassion, you know, and he said, you know, maybe, maybe it does affect the other people, you know, to, to a great degree. But he said the number one beneficiary of compassion is yourself, which is a little bit yeah. nuts, isn't it? When you think about that, you know? Yeah. Even our most selfless acts are selfish because we're looking for, I suppose, a gain out of it. We're looking for a bit of peace of yeah. mind. At the end of it, like... But, you know, if, you, if our, our needs are taken care of as a matter of cause while we're busy helping others, you know, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be a very different world to live in probably, you know, our needs are like everything, your million dollars somehow magically arrived because you're too busy taking care of people. Yeah, that's it. But I think when you change your, like when you change what your currency is, like if you change your say currency for money or validation to say like nature or helping other people, that's when you win the lotto, like, you know what I mean? If you're able to go to bed at night and say, look, a bit of peace of mind, a bit of peace of soul, like, there's multi, multi-billionaires out there that are getting checked into treatment centers for, like, addiction or the depression, and, you know, it's just that, that these things still won't make you happy, like, you know what I mean? A lot of people need to go on this long, long journey to finally realize yeah. shit, you know, just appreciating the nature or noticing a sunset or a bit of meditation and just trying to think of other people once or twice a day has a profound impact on how I feel about yeah. myself mm. you know there's a teacher who said you know you could be on the penthouse floor of a, your New York apartment overlooking Central Park you know <laughs> could have the whole yeah. thing and all, all you're looking for is a window to jump out of you know it's like yeah exactly these are these are real stories this happens all the time you know someone supposedly at the top of society and and they might be miserable actually so so what what is this this is what's worth reflecting you know what what is what is happiness really for me what what is uh what's my understanding of that you know instead of just plodding along you know plodding along you know school college job you know, I mean, like yourself, you were telling me, right? You, you, you do all of that and then you hit a wall at some point and you go, why am I doing this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it didn't happen to me like a few weeks ago. I ran a marathon uh, for like, and there was like, I'm trying so hard to hit this marathon, you know, raise a few balls for, for like a charity. And it was so just got this tunnel vision that I was going to do it. And then I, I ran it. And then I, I kind of felt this mad anti-climax after it where it's kind of like, all right, is that it now? You know, and that, that you know, we talked about at the start at the start of the podcast about you know that that human nature of constantly wanting more all the time. And I was like, I done it and straight away. I was already looking at the next thing I could yeah. do. Like you know, I could have gone to cycle, and it wasn't even validating my achievement. You know what I mean? I was just straight away just. I felt really lot of just just this mad uh, anti climax where I just was like, okay, right now what? You know, I felt somewhat bored because. I, my kind of this thing that was distracting me for the last few weeks is now gone and now what am I going to use now to distract me and I think like true life that's we're constantly looking for distraction and things that we're like the magpie always looking for the nice shiny thing in the distance like oh if I get that 
I could bring that back to the nest and I'll be happy. But like, I oh, know that hasn't worked. I'll get that. I'll bring that back to the nest. And, you know, and it could be anything, the promotion or the new car or the new jacket or that girl you fancy or that trip over there or, you know, and constantly looking for these things and and then you get it. It's like, no, that hasn't worked. Maybe this will, maybe that will. And I suppose it can be a fairly kind of exhausting and, and lonely place to be where you're constantly seeking stuff on the outside. Sure, yeah. yeah, very true. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so and the other thing as well, you, you mentioned them, the 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 the, the headman, the Dalai Lama, um Buddhism. So the Dalai Lama is essentially he's like the top guy, he's like he's like essentially the Pope of uh Buddhism. But what I think is really interesting about the Dalai Lama is how they how they choose a Dalai Lama, which I think is really cool. So, like, you, you can probably explain it better to me that essentially, like, when a Dalai Lama passes away, that they, they have all these monks that meditate and they get visions of, like, like because they believe in reincarnation, that the Dalai Lama is reincarnated to, like, a kid somewhere in the world. And these and these um, monks meditate until they get signs about where this kid may be. And then they go and find this kid and show him, like, things and symbols that only the Dalai Lama could recognize and that's how they choose where the like the new Dal- who the Dalai Lama is, which I think is really yeah, cool. I mean, there's a good movie called Kundan, which it shows this really well. You know, uh, it's worth it's worth watching. I think it's a good movie, um, but it also kind of shows the process of how they find these the Dalai Lamas. So you know, the Dalai Lamas were um, traditionally when when so they're like the the political spiritual head because spirituality and and every every other aspect of Society is always kind of mixed in together in Tibet. So when when the when the mm. previous Dalai Lama would die, or not just the Dalai Lama, but great teachers, um, you know, mm-hmm. often they would le- leave clues, um, or sometimes a very close student might have like a special dream or something, and they would, you know, through astrology as well and different methods, they would pin pinpoint a particular village and a particular place you know in a particular time where where a child has been born um and that child then would be often there'd be a few children actually you know and they would Mm. be then tested you might have like a couple of kids left and then from the final test they would choose who was the the reincarnation of the new dalai lama and like you said they would often put a couple of different um possessions from the previous dalai lama in front of the children and and there'd be a few kind of false friends in there, you know, like what beautiful ones or something that would look like a Dalai Lama would own, but but it wasn't his, you know, and, and other other, yeah, other yeah. ones, and you know, and so depending on what the child chose, then would be another marker. Um, yeah, it, it's yeah. fascinating. It's definitely um, it's it's definitely like a very old kind of system we wouldn't be used to in the West. You know, can you imagine if they chose the next? CEO of Coca-Cola by following a dream. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not, it's not something we'd be used to. Yeah. He, has to guess, he has to guess the difference between Pepsi yeah. and Coke and that's how you know. The door if he is, but... <laughs> Say, hey, get out of here. Uh, try McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that, man. Yeah. yeah. Okay, man. So, like, just, so, like, since, like, so you've been obviously studying Buddhism for over 20 years. So, in that 20 years, like, what's the kind of best advice that you. Yeah. Are you still there? Hello? Hello? 
Oh, can you, I Derek? Can you hear me? You, you disappeared there for a minute. Yeah, sorry, man. Yeah, Jesus, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> can you um, edit? Sorry, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can edit that, man. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I fell asleep there. No, I'm only joking. Uh, sorry, and, and now the phones ringing. What are the chance? Pizza orders coming in. Yeah, yeah. The fans are already here about this podcast. They're looking. Uh, they're looking the. They're looking for Limerick um, t-shirts. Yeah, yeah Limerick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The fan, the, the hate mail's coming in now for me slagging Limerick. Um, no, so so basically, like, so yeah, in your like, since you've kind of studied Buddhism for the last twenty years, like, what's the best advice you've ever gotten? Mm. I mean, so so much, so much advice over the years, really. Um, it's helpful to have people that you trust around you. I think you know, people who are who are yeah. good advisors because um, you know this isn't a path that we should walk alone. We should really try and surround ourselves with like-minded people. I think in general, no matter what you do, yeah. what you're into, you know, if you're surrounded by yeah. by buddies as well, you know, it's um, it makes all the difference because in those darker moments, you have people that can maybe say the right thing, have a kind word. Um, just you know, not not give up. You know, this is you mentioned a marathon. This yeah. is more of a marathon than it is a sprint. You know, this step like yeah, like yeah, learning yeah. about our mind and and getting used to how our emotions and our heart is. Um, you know, it takes takes time, and it's it's definitely not a, like a, a sprint kind of fast. You're going to get it done. It might be for some special individuals. You know, they might just. It's a fast yeah. thing; it all unravels perfectly and works out. But for most of us, it's kind of a long, long old struggle. So it's to not not lose heart, yeah. you know. Is remember remembering yeah. that we're not the, we're not the clouds; we're the sky, you know. That, I mean, images yeah. like that have really stuck with me over the years, you know. Because in those in those you know darker moments, which we all have at different times, you know, e- even the yeah. even, like they say, even the tiniest light in a darkened room will actually light up the whole place. No matter how dark things yeah. are, you know, even a tiny little yeah. light, actually, you'll see, you can see things. And I think that that's incredibly important to remember in life, you know, that we're, we're not yeah. the clouds, we're the, we're the sky. And yeah, I love no, that. Especially, especially yeah. when we forget. <laughs> and, and when we totally okay. forget, if we have someone around us who can go, hey, man, you know, you're, you know, yeah, it's going to yeah. be okay. We'll get, we'll get through this. Yeah, that's a trevy dark night comes a brighter yeah, day. Yeah. Don't yeah. don't make any rash decisions, you know. Um, yeah, don't don't make a, a long term decision based on a short term yeah. emotion. You know, the, the Tibetans are, would often you know, you'd ask them a question and they'd say, Okay, I'll think about it, you know, and you're waiting a you know, a day, a few days, a week, you know, no no word back and you know, a couple of weeks pass, you know, a couple of months and you kind of go back to him. You say, uh, uh, you, "You never got back to me." And he said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm still thinking about it." <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. often, uh, often, probably in that time, the whole thing is unraveled anyway. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, that's it, man. It's like that other one uh, about the monk, like they talked to him when he said, oh, "What, what did you do today?" I don't know, but you done that yesterday. He's like, I'm not finished yet. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like that thing. Sometimes you just have to learn to rest and, and, and sit yeah. with yourself. You Give know? things time. <laughs> and come here for someone that's like new to meditation or someone that's struggling to get any consistency with it, with it or commit to meditation what advice would you have for those people yeah I mean it's very hard to learn anything unless you practice it I think no matter what it mm. is you know if it's a musical instrument um, you know or swimming you just got to keep at it at the beginning 
Um, I, th- I think in, mm. in meditation in particular, there's a couple of things you can do is, um, is um, maybe not, not um, have the bar somewhat, you know, not too high, we'll say. I was going to say have the bar low, but, you know, you want to challenge yourself to be able to try and practice every day if you can, but for some period of time that's manageable. So if you if you know yeah. at the beginning we're all in the like honeymoon phase where so I'm gonna meditate for you know twenty minutes every day you know and uh, if if you kind of yeah. raise that up and then you you don't reach that chances are then you you're not gonna be able to follow through on that you know so so I think just yeah. just trying to trying to practice regularly every day if possible and just put an amount of time that's achievable so whatever that is for for you if it's five minutes do it for five minutes. And do it every day for five minutes, you know? If it's 10, do it for 10 yeah. minutes. But do it every day for 10 minutes, you know? You know like, find, yeah. find the moment, you know? Wherever it is, even if your day has flown by, just 10 minutes at the end of the day, sitting in your bed before you go to sleep, you know? And, and not worrying yeah. about the quality of it, you know? And that was, that was shite, you know? That was a crap meditation. Forget that. Drop all that. Just, it's like, do it to do it, and then it'll take care of itself, you know? Where if, if you keep putting mm-hmm. it off or you keep going, oh, I wasn't able, I can't do this, and you jump up, you know? Um, if that mm-hmm. happens, just next day, go back and do it again for a minute, two minutes, yeah. five minutes. Because what I, what I see with myself is if you can get used to sitting, like doing some simple meditation practice for five minutes, chances are you could make a jump from five minutes to ten minutes much easier when you're used to five minutes. You know what I mean? It's, you can you can progressively yeah. extend what you do. Like if you sit, if you get used to sitting for five minutes, you try you try do twenty minutes. It might be a bit too much, you know, of a jump. But you know, to go from five to ten, ten to fifteen, and fifteen to twenty, actually progressively over time, that it won't feel like much of a big deal, you know. Yeah, and just build yeah. it up like that, you know. And you know, the more actually, the, the word for meditation in Tibetan is gom, and gom means become familiar with so instead of seeing it as like a practice you could just sit on your sit on the chair you know or on a cushion or lie down whatever it is you do and just become familiar with what's going on just for a few minutes five minutes Mm. ten minutes just turn your mind inwardly you know maybe even sometimes saying i'm going to meditate is what puts us off in the first place you know just just close your eyes or whatever and look at a beautiful scene and actually just Go inwards and just see how you are at that very moment. And if the moment turns into 10 minutes, yeah. great. Fantastic. 20 minutes and you're yeah. a little bit present, a little bit calmer. Fantastic. You know? Same the next day. Less, more, whatever works. That'd be my advice anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. And like, is there any like apps or anything you'd recommend? Because I know there's like Headspace and Breed. Not, not really. You know, maybe not really. I mean, I think not, everybody, okay. oh God, I talk to people all the time. They know way more about that than i do i think um i think if you can connect in with a community it's very important you know i mean we so they were in like a group setting like a class or or even online retreat maybe you know from the center down in in cork we're doing these online meditations every tuesday morning we do a free online meditation and we you know we get you know like 50 60 people joining us every week it's unbelievable from from all over the world and um you know, yeah. if, you, if you know that's coming up and you know you kind of signed up for it, it, it's a little bit of an impetus, a bit of a push as well to just do it, you know, if you know. Um, yeah. so that, that's one of the benefits of kind of joining anything. It doesn't matter what it is, you know, yoga, you, you know, 
walking group when when you join something like that it kind of motivates you you know you you know they're gonna tell you oh you missed last week you know there's kind of a push there to just do it that's very helpful yeah. for things like meditation yeah. as well in a good way not not that people push you but they encourage you to not you know not uh, get lazy yeah. or just you know forget about it you know yeah um yeah and so you know with the lockdown a lot of people are doing online stuff and i'm probably sick of it at this stage but when when you can go into nature go to beautiful places there's plenty of them in ireland and you know practice uh do retreats you know i think everybody should do retreat like once a year it should be just part of what they do i mean i mean you know like yeah. a weekend where they just go somewhere and, and really really do retreat because it's like it'd be like you fill up your flask for the whole for the whole year for the you know for a couple of months or weeks you know until you need yeah. it again yeah yeah no that, that's 100 and just to anyone that is interested in doing like online meditation classes or the only online retreats does them bear it where derek is a meditation teacher stuff online so if you check out their website that's dz E-N, does Chen bear it? Uh, and you'll find loads of more information yeah, I'm there. I'm actually doing um, one next next Tuesday at 7 o'clock. I'm doing um, an hour-long session about specifically about the Four Noble Truths. So that this was the first teaching of the Buddha. So if anybody's listening and found this interesting, then it's going to go into that a little bit deeper next Tuesday. So. Unreal. No Thanks, worries, Colm. This has been a pleasure. Right. <laughs> Man. And come here, last yes. question. Have you got any tips how to get rid of a Buddha's belly? <laughs> well, I'm working on it, so when I, <laughs> when, I, when I achieve it, I'll let you know, okay? I might have to go on one of your marathons or something. You'll have to push me out the door. Yeah. 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 Although, although yeah. they might be chasing me out of Limerick after this podcast as well. Uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, chasing me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, wouldn't, oh, I wouldn't go there anytime soon yeah. there, to be honest. Yeah, I know, I know, Jesus. Yeah. Derek, man, I really appreciate you coming on and, and, and dedicating your time to chatting about Buddhism. And I've got so much out of it, man. And, uh, yeah, no, yeah it's man. Pleasure. He puts the bud in Buddhism. Do the same drugs no more.